So Donald Trump did not collude with Russia to win the election. Didn't we know that the whole time? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. It was just announced... There was no collusion with Russia, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction and none whatsoever. And it was a complete and total exoneration. All right, here, here's the deal, friends. Here's the deal. <laughs> All right, we got that Russian music there. Uh, Welcome to the broadcast, 866-34-TRUTH. I want to hear from you, 866-348-7884. I have not talked much about the Mueller investigation, but to be perfectly honest with you, while I have never turned a blind eye to the president's faults, you know I opposed him strongly during the primaries. You know I voted for him, but with concern. You know I wrote a book entitled Donald Trump is Not My Savior. Uh, where I speak my mind about the man I support as president. You know that there have been many things he said and done that I wish he wouldn't say and do. I'm glad I voted for him. If the elections were today and it was him versus Hillary or any of the current Democrat candidates, I'd vote for him in a heartbeat. But I've never turned a blind eye to his faults. Friends, I never believed for a split se- for, for a split second, not for a split second, that he colluded with Russia to win the election. Not for a split second. Never dawned on me to believe it. Never never occurred to me when people challenged me. Said, it's just, it's not real. It's not true. And and the fact that some people have believed it with such passion that the left-wing media spent two years pounding this narrative over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Come on. You know, the Latin phrase, you know, ad infinitum ad nauseum, or ad infinitum ad nauseum. That's, yeah, I mean, forever and ever until it makes you nauseous. That's what's happened. And and you've got these Hollywood celebrities. They're sickened over this. this. It was a myth. It was a lie. People believed a lie. You may not like a lot of things about Donald Trump. That's fine. You, you may not have been able to vote for him. That's between you and God. But this has been nonsense from day one. It is a witch hunt. And, and now the president, you talk about having a weapon. Fake news. Fake news. He's going to shout this out louder than he's ever shouted it out. And, and, and everything, the next conspiracy theory, because it's not going to go away. Left-wing media that's been trying to take him down, left-wing politicians that have been trying to take him down, they're not going to quit. They, they may be a little more circumspect for a little while, but they still can't get over the fact that he's the president. And if he's reelected, oh, man, it's going to be one attack after another. He's not fit. He's going to lose his mind. He's lost his mind. He's not capable. The White House is that can't stand. He's colluded with Russia. Next thing he's colluded with China. Colluded with aliens. It's going to be anything. Friends, there's never been anything to it. And, and it is very revealing how much people have bought into this, how much people have staked their reputations on it, their hopes he was going to be indicted, he was going to be interviewed. Listen, Robert Mueller had a team full of Democrats 
And the, the whole way that he was appointed, the whole way the whole thing started was so bogus from, from day one. I, I, I mean, inexcusable it ever happened that it's hung over his head for two years now and has paralyzed so much of the country. Although we'll see in a poll, plenty of people haven't even cared about it. It's, it's unconscionable. It's, it's just dead wrong, period. And and it's not going to end. There's going to be another another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing. Be, because people simply cannot have it that he's in power and they lost fair and square. And that is not acceptable. It's like when you when you keep crying over spilled milk and when you keep crying wolf and bringing together a few different metaphors here and images, you, you never get over it. You never get over it. What's your take? Were you surprised that he was found to not have colluded with Russia? Said, well, the actual report says we can't exonerate him of obstruction of justice, but we can't accuse him of the obstruction of justice. What kind of report is that? Okay, what was the crime? What was the justice that he obstructed? Well, either he did or he didn't. And if there was an actual crime he was involved in, then what was he obstructing? <clears throat> and ultimately, he let the investigation continue. He didn't fire Mueller. He didn't do any of the things he was supposed to do. He let the thing play out, and he said publicly, let it go public. Oh, there's, some, there's something else. That, oh, yeah, and Robert Mueller, with his whole team, and millions and millions of dollars spent, and how many hundreds of subpoenas, and how many thousands of hours of interviews, and all Well, no, there's something else. Go. Right. You might as well argue he colluded with aliens. You might as well. 866 866- Three four eight seven eight eight four. Are you surprised? Are you pleased? What does this tell you about the opposition? If you thought he was guilty and now this report's come out, what do you think? Before I get into that any further, I, I want you to hear this. This is a compilation someone put together, and it was played on the Young Turks YouTube channel. Now, the Young Turks are as liberal, as left-wing, as anti-Trump as you can get. And yet, they are being critical of the media's obsession with the Russia probe. So this is an excerpt, as you'll hear from the Young Turks host here. This is an excerpt from one episode, one past episode of Rachel Maddow on MSNBC. This is, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. From one episode. All right, let's listen. Russia, Putin, Now, whatever involvement Russia tried to have with the election or did have, we we meddle with international elections. We've done it many times. They've meddled. No, no one's arguing that different major governments try to meddle in one another's elections. The question is, did Trump collude with Russia? 
The answer is, there's always no, and it is no, and it is mind-boggling to me how many people believe it, how people are grinding their teeth in grief and disappointment, and now they're questioning Mueller. And you say, Dr. Brown, it sounds like you're mocking. It should be mocked. This whole thing has been ridiculous. It's a witch hunt. If people were saying, well, you know, Donald Trump, the way he treats other people, it's terrible. I agree at times it's terrible. Well, you know, calling former employees dogs. I wish you wouldn't do that. I don't know. It seems like he just exaggerates, even lies. Yeah, it seems like that sometimes. I wouldn't be arguing that. If he said, I don't think he's a good role model in certain ways. I mean, he's a strong leader. He's getting a lot of good dumb. I don't think he's a good role model in certain ways. Okay, I wouldn't argue that. And, you know, the example from his past, and he was an adulterous guy. You know, okay, we all know that. We know that. And I believe that in many ways he's taken steps away from his past and surrounded himself with, with good people. And he does love and care for his family. And that's all commendable. But if there were other criticisms, other issues, I don't like the way he handled things with North Korea. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if it's handled right or wrong. I mean, I wasn't there. We don't know the whole dynamics, what his end goal is. I don't know. We, we could have differences over lots and lots and lots of things with the president. And I'd have no problem with that. You could call in and say, I don't like this. Okay, yeah, I see your point. But, for example, if you're going to call him a white supremacist colluding with Nazis, I'm going to tell you it's completely bogus on all accounts. So I'm going to tell you it's bogus that he colluded with Russia. And, again, I never believed it for a split second, as did many other Americans. And you wonder if, if this is now going to help him in the days ahead. Hey, Kai, let's go to the, the last of, of my graphics. Let's go to that article on the stream. I wrote this last week, and it was about Donald Trump, pay-per-view pay TV, and the Mueller investigation. All right? Donald Trump, pay-per-view pay TV. Excuse me, Robert Mueller, pay-per-view TV, and the re-election of Donald Trump. Before I, I read to you from that article, let me just give you some of the background there. Uh, it, it dawned on me a while ago why certain athletes sell the best in pay-per-view TV. It, it's only been associated with boxing now with other combat sports uh, like mixed martial arts and, and then, quote, wrestling entertainment. They're pay-per-view events. So they put together a really special event, a really special card, with, with the top drawing people. But instead of getting to watch it on regular TV or, or your regular cable network, you now have to pay money for it. And some of them are up to like $100 that you pay. So sometimes a group of friends get together and, <laughs> excuse me, they'll do this. Or you'll go to some sports place, you know, with meals. And, and, and while you're sitting there, they've got the thing playing, whatever. And if you've got a really good event, you know, maybe it sells four or 500,000 pay-per-views. People spend $60, $70, like I said, in some occasions, it's more. So it's very profitable, and, and, and the, the people involved make a lot of money from it. But you have these events that become somewhat transcendent where they'll, they'll go like four and a half million pay-per-views. And in order for that to happen, what has to happen is that you have to involve some, someone that transcends the sport. So in boxing, it was Floyd Mayweather, meaning that just your, your average American into sports has probably heard the name, even if they don't follow boxing. And because he was a good trash talker, he could sell a fight. 
and then he never lost, people would tune in just to see him lose. People didn't normally watch a fight. Or Manny Pacquiao from the Philippines, the legendary boxer from the Philippines, because the whole nation basically gets behind him that, that you have, <laughs> excuse me, when the two of them fought, it was like 4.6 million pay-per-views, far and away the, the most lucrative of, of all fights. And the next one down was, was Floyd Mayweather versus someone else. And again, it was something that transcended the sport. The point is, Donald Trump has been someone that transcended politics. Donald Trump has been someone who transcended politics and was a reality TV star, somewhat of a superstar. So when he does his rallies, you get all these people coming to the rallies that wouldn't normally come to a political rally because you've got this reality TV star. You're following me. Now, I'm going to, that's obviously a, a big reason that he got elected. And now he continues to be a reality TV star and now is the victim of the evil press and the evil left. We'll come right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. This was an illegal takedown that failed. And hopefully, somebody's going to be looking at the other side. So it's complete exoneration, no collusion, no obstruction. Yeah, so there's a movie, 1966. I remember seeing it as a kid. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. That's where the musical background came from for the first couple of clips that we played at the beginning of these segments. Michael Brown, welcome to the broadcast. 866-348-7664. 866-34-TRUTH. If you would like to weigh in. So I wrote this last week. Once it was announced that the Mueller report was going to be delivered and I was confident there was going to be no collusion. Again, I'm not, not some rocket scientist here. I had no inside information. Yeah. I, I know folks like James Robinson and some others that are, that are close to president Trump, but it's not like they ever asked you, did you collude with Russia? I mean, there's the, the full knowledge that or assumption or understanding that, that he didn't, and I, I just saw the hand of God in him being elected. Uh, and regardless of what was going on or what Comey did or Russia did or anybody else did, the fact is I, I believe the only explanation for him being elected was God put him in office. It's my belief. And I wrote about it. A in any case, I wrote this last week to say, okay, the Mueller investigation is going to come out. So uh, my article about Robert Mueller, pay-per-view TV and, and the reelection of Donald Trump, I mentioned that, he's now going to be the victim of conspiracy. So one of Trump's campaign strengths was to present himself as the people's champion. He was the man who would speak up for, for us, for Americans who felt we had lost our voice. He would be the man who would confront the giants, the media giants, the government giants, the business giants, and he would not back down. He would expose the fake news. He would drain the swamp in Washington. He would challenge corporate greed. Trump is standing up for us. And this is where the Mueller investigation comes into play. Trump is always portraying himself as the victim. Everyone is against him. No one treats him fairly. It is Trump against the world and the world against Trump. What happens if the Mueller investigation ends up exonerating Trump? I asked this last week, specifically in terms of colluding with Russia. That's what I expected would happen. 
What happens if this almost endless, costly investigation turns up nothing of substance in the end? What happens if the millions of words and thousands of hours that CNN devoted to the Russia scandal turn out to be a monumental waste of airtime? Well, there you have it. Trump is the victim after all. There is a conspiracy against him. Yet Washington could not take him down. For the first time someone stood up to the system and the system failed, that will be Trump's go-to line. And with that, there will be a fresh rallying cry. In other words, it could well be that the Mueller investigation is the very thing that helps Trump get reelected in 2020. No, that's not a prophecy. That is simply saying this could well be exactly what unfolds. And what the left meant for his downfall could be the thing that leads to them being taken less seriously and to Trump winning re-election. Now, 2020 is a long way from here. We don't know what's going to happen to a whole lot of people and America and the world between now and then. But if things continued as normal, it's a very logical thing to think that he will, he will use this to the full. Now, I did a poll on Twitter. I, I asked a question on Twitter. And I said, if the findings of the Mueller investigation are clearly for or against Trump, will that affect your viewpoint of the president? 31% said yes. 61% said no. 8% said can't say. But, but notice this. It only got 218 votes, which is incredibly low for a Twitter poll for me. Meaning there wasn't all that much interest in the question. Interesting. With this being the obsessive focus of so much of the, of the left for two years now, that those that I polled, which would be largely conservative and largely sharing my faith, not entirely, right? There's a diversity there. But it was really not of concern. And interestingly, if, if the report came out completely exonerating him of colluding with Russia, which it did, w- would that affect you? Or if the report said he did collude with Russia, would that affect your view of him? Only 31% said yes. And, and just under two-thirds said no. In, in other words, the report's not going to affect me either way. Uh, there is a poll that The Federalist talks about, an article in The Federalist by Bree Payton. Americans don't give a hoot about so-called Russian collusion. And according to the article, an overwhelming majority of Americans don't think the ongoing probe into whether President Donald Trump's campaign colluded with Russian officials to steal the presidency from Hillary Clinton is that important, according to a new Gallup poll. A record-breaking number of Americans, 22%, think immigration is the most important problem facing the United States, which obviously ties them well with Donald Trump talking points, while 19% say dissatisfaction with the U.S. government is the biggest problem, and 7% think racism is the most important issue. A combined total of 16% of Americans list unifying the country lack of respect for one another and the economy in general as the most important issues. The other issues that make it to the top of the list are healthcare, according to 3% of Americans and ethics and morality, according to another 3% of those surveyed. That that's distressing. That's only 3% say that ethics and morality are that important. The ongoing probe to investigate to what extent Russia was involved in Trump's electoral victory in 2016 was nowhere on the list of the top eight issues. Most Americans, 70%, 
consider the most important ones the United States is facing. Uh, of the Republicans voters surveyed, 35% thought immigration was the most important issue. Of independent voters, immigration topped the charts, but a much smaller plurality, 22%, said this was the most important issue, namely immigration. Okay, it goes on from there, but you, you get the gist of it. I, I, I tweeted out a few other things in the aftermath of the Mueller investigation. Um, <clears throat> I, I said this, just scrolling down to it. Uh, okay, I, I've never turned a blind eye to Donald Trump's shortcomings. But I never believed for a split second he colluded with Russia to win the election. To me, it is mainly blind hatred of Trump that caused so many people to believe the collusion lie, some of them to this day. I'm talking about why would people believe it when there was never any evidence to support it? Well, this one did this with Russia. It has nothing to do with colluding for the election. Well, Russia did nothing to do with colluding with Trump. What's clear is if, if there was any offer from Russia to collude, Trump either didn't know about it or declined it. But it never happened. It never happened. Why would people believe it so intensely? It, it is blind hatred of the president. Look, some people say, boy, I'm not sure. That's, that's one thing. I don't really know. Who knows? Who can trust any politician? Okay, I understand that. I don't trust Obama. I don't trust Trump. I don't trust the government in general. Okay, fine. I understand that. But to believe it the way people did, something was very wrong. A CNN commentator, so certainly left-wing Van Jones, <coughs> CNN commentator Van Jones described, quote, sadness and disappointment and disorientation among progressives and Democrats after the release of the Mueller findings. And as I tweeted, this is what happens when you believe a lie. Van Jones is very honest in saying this. Sadness, disappointment, and disorientation among progressives and Democrats after the release of the Mueller findings. Someone tweeted in response to that, what's going to happen when the fortress of evolution finally crumbles? What's going to happen when the intellectual stronghold of, of evolution, Darwinian evolution, macroevolution, can, can no longer be supported? Can you imagine the level of disappointment, sadness, disorientation that'll come? When, when it gets to that breaking point that it becomes scientifically untenable to believe in it, and we're heading in that direction, I believe people kill themselves over it. Literally. They'll be that distressed. They'll be that distraught. That's what happens when you believe a lie. When, you, when truth comes out, it is totally disorienting. I also tweeted this out. By zealously and breathlessly supporting an unfounded lie for two years, the left-wing media has now earned the two phrases that Donald Trump will use like a cudgel until 2020. Fake news and enemy of the people. And it's their own fault, like it or not. In other words, you're going to hear this day and night from Trump. Fake news, more fake news, except even if it's not fake news, he's going to be able to hold that over their head because of their breathless, endless, zealous reporting of fake news for two years now. It's despicable. It's ugly. It's wrong. And I've never seen this happen with any other president in my lifetime, in my memory. And I'm not a historian of American presidents, but I don't know that anything like this on this level ever happened, holding this over someone in, in a way to try to paralyze him for a couple of years when it's based on a lie. And who started it? And where did it come from? 
Some are saying, yeah, we're, that's what we're looking for next. And then enemy of the people. Look I, look, I don't like it when the president refers to the media broadly as, as the enemy of the people because it is, is such a broad brush statement, because it is so negative and, and, and incites such hostility. However, what the media did with Russia, with this, with this alleged collusion, what the media did for two years, that, that is contrary to the good of the American people. In that way, they've made themselves enemies of the people in this regard. And you know President Trump is going to hammer it and hammer it and now have justification. Oh, left-wing media is not going to stop here. It'll be something else. It'll be the latest thing. But it'll be a whole lot easier to just dismiss it because they have so thoroughly discredited themselves with this. All right, I'm done talking about this. I'm done. I'm switching subjects when we come back. This is more than I've talked about it combined, I think, in two years. We're moving on. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to The Line of Fire. Okay, I am opening the phone lines once again to any question that you have that you want to raise about the end times, about a pre-trib rapture, about issues of the coming of Jesus, the book of Revelation, eschatology, end time prophetic events, any question you have, anything you want to probe me on in light of our book coming out, Craig Keener and me, our book coming out last week, Not Afraid of the Antichrist, Why We Don't Believe in a Pre-Tribulation Rapture. It's only been out, what, five days so far, already has 28 reviews, overwhelmingly positive. I've not yet read a single negative review where either the person actually read the book or actually interacted with real content in the book accurately. So I'm I'm sure those will come eventually, but if they do, they're probably when we won't star. If they're honestly interacting, they'll, you know, they'll be more respectful, but thankfully the ones actually reading it are loving it. And and we're so blessed to be able to help put this on the table, but we don't divide over it. Just a reminder. We don't divide over it. We can have differences, you and I, and that's fine. We love the Lord together. We honor him. We live in readiness of his return and we live in readiness for whatever's coming through him. 866-348- Seven eight eight four. I th- I gave out the number incorrectly. Did, didn't I always say seven six six four? Did I do that? Someone's gonna have to check. But I think I think I gave out the wrong number earlier. Maybe somebody got an angry call and it was for me, but it was somewhere else. Eight six six three four truth is the number to call. Okay. Before I go to your calls, a couple of important things about Israel going on today. So I've just spent a half hour talking about the Mueller investigation. I'm done with that now. All right. Now I'm moving on to some other subjects. Okay, there was a rocket that hit Tel Aviv last week, and there were no injuries, but shocker. Oh, no, it wasn't. We didn't mean that. We didn't. No one's taking responsibility for it. That's interesting. Maybe Hamas or, or, or the Iranian backers or Hezbollah, whatever, realizing we, that was a line we didn't want to cross. But now a rocket hit in a heavily populated area. Uh, Israel struck a house, seven people injured. So they weren't killed. Okay, so that's your house, struck by a missile out of the blue, all right? So Israel is now striking back. Uh, Israel, as, as uh, Haaretz reports, Israel strikes Hamas targets in Gaza as sirens blare in borders communities. 
this wouldn't take much to lead to to another war on Hamas now. And it may be the time that Israel says, okay, we're, we're going to demolish them so that they, not to kill every individual involved, but to break their hold and to say, all right, Palestinians are going to have to elect somebody else. Uh, the problem is Palestinian authorities are not much better than Hamas overall, which is a shame. It's a terrible disservice to the Palestinian people who deserve better leaders. But that's the, that's the situation, and there could be a lot of suffering and loss of life, and it's, it's tragic if it's Palestinians, it's tra- tragic if it's Israelis. So just pray for, for divine wisdom and restraint in the midst of it. At the same time, a major proclamation from President Trump from the White House. This is today. Let me read it to you. Recognizing the Golan Heights as part of the state of Israel by the President of the United States of America. Now, when Nancy and I went to Israel for the first time in 1986, and we went on a tour of Israel, and we were at the Golan Heights or looking up at them and realized that that, that used to be under Syrian control, and you could just stand there with a, with a long-distance rifle and, and, and shoot Israelis that, you know, working at their farms. And this was taken at great cost to the Israeli people to, to get the Golan Heights. And it's been absolutely key, absolutely crucial for Israeli security. Absolutely key, absolutely crucial for, for decades now. Uh, but America has not formally recognized this until now. The state of Israel took control of the Golan Heights in 1967 to safeguard its security from external threats. Today, aggressive acts by Iran and terrorist groups, including Hezbollah in southern um, Syria, continue to make the Golan Heights a potential launching ground for attacks on Israel. So Iran is largely funding what's happening with Hezbollah in, in Syria, so that's immediately to the north of Israel, and helping Hamas, which is to the west, southwest of Israel. Any possible future peace agreement in the region must account for Israel's need to protect itself from Syria and other regional threats. Based on these unique circumstances, it is therefore appropriate to recognize Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. If, if we had gone along, say, with President Obama's proposal at one point to go to pre-67 borders, that would mean no Golan Heights among other untenable arrangements. Now, therefore, I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim that the United States recognizes that the Golan Heights are part of the state of Israel. And witness whereof I have here unto set my hand this 25th day of March in the year of our Lord 2019 and of the independence of the United States of America, the 243rd. And... Then he says, my administration will always stand in solidarity with our Jewish brothers and sisters, and we will always stand strong with our cherished friend and partner, the state of Israel. While that's happening, Democrat candidates, presidential candidates, agreed to boycott APAC, which is the most powerful Jewish lobby for Israel in America. And it's standard for Republican candidates to, to be there and Democrat candidates to be there. The Democrats, under pressure from far left and, and Islamic activists and others, said they won't go. That's telling. That's telling. Not only are the Democrats the party of abortion, extreme abortion, not only the, the, the party of, of homosexual activism, they're the party that is increasingly becoming anti-Israel. Now, some say Trump is doing this strategically, but in a bad way. Some say that Trump's end, end game is this that he wants to get Netanyahu reelected and then Netanyahu is going to bow down to pressure from Trump for some type of two state solution or a divided Jerusalem or something 
so that this is all a ploy to get to a certain point. I don't know. All I know is that President Trump has done what no president before did, namely move our embassy to Jerusalem. It was the law in the days of Clinton, Bush, Obama, and none of them moved the embassy. Trump did. And now since 67, for whatever reason, we've never made this official proclamation. We did now. I'm glad. That's positive. I'm glad. 866-34-TRUTH. I've got to update you on something really fun and fascinating and show you this uh, wild meme that our team created. I'll do that in a minute. But let's go to the phones. We'll start with Scott in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Welcome to the broadcast. Yes. Uh, hi, Dr. Brown. Hey. I have put, put together in, in the book of Revelation. Yep. I never really connected it. The devil was thrown into the bottom of his pit for a thousand years. Yep. And Jesus reigns for a thousand years. Yes, sir. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about was Jesus' return. He uh, says when he returns, he'll destroy the beast or the Antichrist and uh, throw them alive into the lake of fire. Yes, and now, sir. My, my thinking is that... Uh, that... that uh, Regardless, there's another thing that's interesting I find there. Uh, the uh, resurrection, the first resurrection. Yeah, in Revelation 20. So, yeah, so let me, let me jump in and put this together. We are waiting for the glorious appearing, the public revelation, the shining forth, the coming, the arrival of the Lord Jesus, at which point he will catch us up to meet him in the air. Think of this. We've been persecuted. We've been hated. We've been reviled. Many have been martyred. He will catch us up to him for the whole world to see. It's a public, amazing event. And we will descend with him. He will then destroy the wicked out of the earth and establish the righteous and establish his kingdom. And that thousand-year kingdom, the survivors of the nations that attack Jerusalem will come up to Jerusalem annually to worship the Lord, the, 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 the king, the Lord of hosts. And he will rule with an iron rod and there will be no war on the earth and the knowledge of the glory of God will fill the earth at the end of that thousand years Satan is released and multitudes follow him in rebellion because it's the ultimate proof of the sinfulness of man and the justice and goodness of God that even in a world without injustice even in a world where God himself ruled and reigned even in a world of great paradise paradise restored and regained on the earth human beings will still choose to rebel 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Robert in California. Welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. Hey. Uh, a side note, I do have a question about the end times, but I just wanted to say a couple months ago, I'd never heard of you. I just happened to be on YouTube, and I saw uh, the debate that you had back in the early 90s with uh, Rabbi Tovia Singer. I just thought I'd listen to it, and God gave me this love for Jewish people I never had wow. before. I'm just a Gentile believer. I'm not even connected in the way that you guys are. But just, and I, and, and anyway, I've, I've been talking with a lot of Jewish people in a Jewish chat room. They let me come in there, and but I've been using your material. It's just been 
like an avalanche, and I just wanted to say I really appreciate it. I love you. I'm following you, and uh, just wanted to give that right on. Anyway, here, Thank you, sir. I know Thank I'm you. going to show my ignorance maybe in some way here, but I'm not really uh, strong eschatology-wise. But, okay, I've heard that the Antichrist will set himself up when the temple is re- the third temple is rebuilt. Is that correct? It seems to be. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, speaking of the Antichrist, Paul is explaining to the believers that, that we will not be caught up to meet the Lord until the great rebellion happens and the man of sin, the Antichrist, is revealed and that he will work counterfeit miracles. And it says he will set himself up in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, does that mean in a physical temple in Jerusalem, in which case... This will be perhaps what opens Jewish eyes to the fact that, that maybe they've been deceived in following him. If they have been following him, then they've been deceived. Uh, will there be a physical temple, in which case then it still has to be built? And there are other New Testament passages that seem to point to a physical third temple. Others would say, no, he's going to be a deceiver in the church, the church, the people of God. We are called the temple of God, and it's just going to be a spiritual deception. He's not going to physically be in a temple. But the most natural reading to me is that he's going to set himself up in God's very temple in Jerusalem, meaning it will be rebuilt and proclaim himself to be God. So my question with that, on that line of thinking, would the Antichrist then be Jewish? It's possible. himself in the temple. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, there's speculation. Some have argued he's a European. Some have argued he's a Muslim. Some have argued he's a Jew that he'll be a Jewish false messiah that will then captivate the whole world, and then, then the veil will come off and we'll find out who he really is. So nothing ignorant in the question, sir. And by the way, you're not just a Gentile believer. We're fellow heirs, right? God bless. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, if, if you're listening online as opposed to on radio, you would have heard Ravi Zacharias in, in, a, in, a, in a break. <laughs> well, just if, if you're watching our YouTube feed, you would have seen me. But um, yeah, something really funny happened over the weekend. I was on David Wood's YouTube channel. Uh, David Wood, great apologist to Islam, asked me to come on and do a talk with him last week. So I did it Thursday night and uh, I just had a fun time sharing my testimony, talking about Jewish apologetics and other things. So I was going back to look at something on his channel uh, over the weekend and I noticed, what's this video about some tournament or some NCAA March Madness kind of thing for apologists? So right now, this is a big time in college basketball called March Madness, the top 64 teams in the country playing each other. And with each one, it goes from 64 to 32. And then you get the next bracket is Sweet 16. Then you get to the Elite Eight and then the Final Four. And then you just have your, your last two teams competing. And it's, it's a big event. And it's, it's you know, exciting for those who like sports and all that. So these uh, apologists, uh, a, a couple of guys on Twitter, put together a top 64 apologist. Now, plenty of people were left out, my friend James White and others. But it had, it had most of, of all the the top apologist there. So 
so David Wood was against somebody else, and he was. It was a funny video he put out. You know, he's very comical. So I, I see I had beaten someone in the first round, a young apologist. I'd beaten him. I was on the list, and then I see now I'm up against Robbie Zacharias, the great Robbie Zacharias, one of the the great names worldwide in in Christianity and defending the faith. So he had a good lead on me. So I thought, I just got to have fun with this. You know, it's all, the whole thing is in good fun, but it also introduces you to other apologists. And you find out from a lot of folks that your work has been a blessing to them, which was another kind of unexpected little thing. So I I decided to shoot things out and say, all right, it's t- come on, we can make this up. We could. So there was like an hour left. I was eight percentage points behind in the voting. And I, I just thought, let me have fun with this. I was literally laughing out loud. I contacted one of our team members who does our memes, and I said, could you do something like two heavyweight boxers, pictures like, and, and, and so it was Robbie versus me. So that got a lot of attention on Facebook. So I, I over, <laughs> I over to, there's, there's the graphic we're looking at. I'm sorry if you're listening on radio, but you can watch this later on our Ask Dr. Brown YouTube channel. That was the graphic. It was originally Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker in a heavyweight championship. And some, I ended up with the three belts, Robbie with the one, but <laughs> so, that's what was posted. And then with two minutes left, I passed him and I ended up beating Robbie Zacharias. So that made it to the next next one, which was against Jay Warner Wallace. Of course, I was, Robbie probably didn't know this is happening. And then Jay Warner Wallace, the brilliant cold case detective, another top apologist. And uh, so I, I beat him. You know, I said, come on, we got the next gauntlet now. And I came in from doing a workout. I said, all right, just finish this workout. I got to be in my best shape. Just having fun with it. And everybody knows the whole thing is fun. So anyway, <laughs> earlier today was official. Triumphed over Jay Warner Wallace. So the, it looks like my competition in the next one is either going to be William Lane Craig or Josh McDowell. Seriously, as we get down to the, the uh, no, I'm in the Elite Eight. Yeah, so my competition in the Elite Eight, and it pretty well, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, William Lane Craig, the great philosopher and scientific apologist. So that's going to be, so man, I'm going to need your votes to triumph here. It it could end up, it could be the winner. It's it's somebody against C.S. Lewis, because he's in there too. I, pretty much everybody else is, is alive. But <laughs> thanks to our team for the amazing work on the graphics they're all in good fun but what an honor to be associated with my brothers who are apologists and defenders of the faith and what a joy to be there for you and to know that we're a blessing to you so i actually think that this good fun is actually productive in that everybody's finding out about others that they may not have known about and other ministries and organizations and groups there are a few on the list i didn't know about uh, a number actually and so it's good for me to get introduced to them but it's it's all in fun so I think the official victory with William Lane Craig will be a few hours from now. Then watch, we'll be posting that meme and encourage you to get out and vote for Dr. Michael Brown. Oh yeah, I'm sure William Lane Craig is going to be soliciting votes too. Right, yes, of course not. All right, 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go to Moultrie in Winston-Salem. Thank you for calling the line of fire. Thank you, Dr. Brown. And good afternoon. Thank you for Hello. taking my call. You're welcome. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, speak okay. up a little louder would be great. Okay. Um, I love your radio show, radio show by the way. Uh, I uh, the thing, the question I had was about something I hear uh, people that believe in the pre-trib rapture. Yeah. I hear them quoting that verse, that one verse. They're saying, well, remember Christ says that uh, pray that you can be counted worthy to escape all these things. 
And yeah. I know there's no way Christ is contradicting himself because yes, because he, why would he tell us one thing, one thing, and one time next? I'm like you, Doctor Brown. I believe we're going to go through the tribulation. Yeah. So it, it, would you put that that verse in perspective? That's the one I hear most of the time. You know, pray that you yeah. be counted worthy, escape all these things, and and they they're quoting that verse. And wait a minute, that's not what Jesus is saying. But for some reason, they keep quoting that. <laughs> and maybe some yeah. of the other listeners on the show would like to hear you expound on that a little bit. And I can Absolutely. probably hang up now. And, just All right. Well, thank you, for, bit, yep, thank you for the kind words, Moultrie. Yeah, look, the, the pre-trib f- folks, those who ultra pre-trib rapture have verses they believe back their position. Uh, I, I differ very strongly, but they have verses they believe back their position and they're students of the word. Some of my, my colleagues, best friends are pre-tribbers and fellow scholars. And so we're not saying people are just pulling it out of a hat. We're saying the verses are being wrongly used. So first thing, uh, in the initial context in which Jesus is speaking, some would argue that he was talking to his first disciples in terms of escaping the destruction coming on Jerusalem. So how did they escape? They fled to another area. So that can be the pattern for end times as well. In other words, God can have places of refuge for us. God can enable us to escape. For example, in Ezekiel, the ninth chapter, Ezekiel chapter 9, God sends his angels forward. Judgment's about to come on Jerusalem. So in Ezekiel, the ninth chapter, he sends his angels forward, and and he says this, pass through the city of Jerusalem and put a mark. This is to the lead angel. And put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the detestable practices committed in it. He spoke as I listened to the others, pass through the city after him and start killing. Do not show pity or spare them. Slaughter the old men, the young men and women, as well as the older women and little children. But do not come near anyone who has the mark. Now begin at my sanctuary. So Moultrie and everyone else with this question, we can escape being right here. In other words, escape does not have to mean taken out. Did these people escape the judgment that came on the others who were slaughtered? Yes, they did. How? By having broken hearts right where they were. And God marked them. Did Israel escape when the plagues were poured out on Egypt? Yes. Did Israel escape from the judgment of firstborn dying? Yes. What did they do? They took the blood of the Passover lamb and put it over the lintels and, and doorposts of their, of their house. And that's how they escaped. Uh, Philippi, uh, excuse me, the word to the church in Philadelphia in Revelation, the third chapter, says the same thing, that, that, that pray that you can escape this uh, trial that's coming on the whole world or that you'll be protected from it. But John seventeen fifteen gives us a key where Jesus prays to his father and says, Father, about his disciples, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And then this wonderful passage in the book of Isaiah, the end of 26. Uh, and I get into this in depth in, in our book, Not Afraid of the Antichrist. And of course, Craig Keener treats all of these verses that seem to point to a pre-trib rapture. And when you stack everything up, you see this massive evidence that there's only one second coming. And it's at that time in one event that we are caught up to meet him and descend together with him. People say, well, why would we turn around? Well, why would Jesus come all the way from heaven, almost get here and turn around? No, no, no. We are caught up and we escort him. Now, it'd be like coming out to meet the emperor as he comes in. The crowds come out and they escort him as he comes back in, except we will be glorified. We will share in the Lord's glory when he returns. It's going to be beyond description, beyond mind-boggling. But Isaiah 24 through 27 speaks of God's end of the world judgment, speaks of his wrath being poured out, speaks of his destruction of the evil one. 27.1, on that day, 
The Lord with his harsh, great, and strong sword will bring judgment on Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent. He will slay the monster that is in the sea. But look, let's, let's back up a little bit. Uh, verse 19 of chapter 26, 26, 19, your dead will live. Their bodies will rise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust, for you will be covered with the morning dew, and the earth will bring out the departed spirits. So there's going to be the resurrection of the dead. And then, so this is, this is the return of the Lord, right? And the destruction of, of the evil one, the smiting of Satan. What does it say in Revelation, excuse me, in Isaiah 26, beginning verse 20? Go, my people, enter your rooms and shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the blood shed on it. The earth will conceal its slain no longer. Excuse me. So there's going to be judgment poured out on a sinning world. What does God tell his people? Go into the inner chambers. Go, go, my people, enter your rooms. Close your doors behind you. Hide for a little while until the wrath is passed. That's how we escape. That's how we're protected. What does it say in Proverbs chapter 18? It's, it's a beautiful verse and a beautiful promise there. Proverbs chapter 18. It says this in verse 10, the name of Yahweh. It's a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are protected. So God will enable us to escape some of his judgment being poured out, but we won't escape tribulation and suffering that have always been our lot. Just like our brothers and sisters being slaughtered in Nigeria right now and, and, and have been slaughtered by ISIS for years. They didn't escape tribulation. We won't escape tribulation either. But when God's judgment is poured out, He'll enable us to find a place of refuge protected by him here in this world. Isn't that good enough? And then we'll be caught up to meet him and descend with him in glory. Back with you tomorrow.